Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Welcome to the afternoon show. It is time. It is uh, that time of the day. And my name is Bill Arnold. And because it's called the afternoon show with Bill Arnold, this thing is working together. And I'm excited for what I have planned for you. Rob Blue is going to come on in just a second. Then Dr. Alex McFarland is coming on after that. And then I've got Jeff Verdorn in hour two as we continue our series on who is this Jesus. But for now, Rob Blue is my regular guest on Tuesday. He's the executive editor at the Daily Signal. You can always head over to dailysignal.com. And because you know Rob is a question taker as well, you can send any question you have for Rob over on the text line. It is open, 877-933-2484. Rob, welcome. Thanks, Bill. It's great to be back. Thank you so much. Rob, let's talk about the safety of our families, the future of our kids, and the strength of our economy. How is government viewing these things? Well, it's interesting. It depends on who in government you're talking about. I mean, it, definitely at the at the national level, I think it's it's quite different from uh, from from where we've been in the past, and uh, and it's quite alarming uh, to a certain extent. But certainly, there are some good things happening at the state and local levels, Bill, and uh, and I think that that's obviously where we want government to be uh, more more you know directly. Uh, engaged with us because that's where it can oftentimes have the biggest impact. And when Washington tries to get involved and meddle in our lives and and do things that it shouldn't do, uh, oftentimes it ends up uh, not doing such a great job because it's the most disconnected from us. And I mean, you have to look no no farther than than what was unveiled today in Washington. They've put out their their spending bill. Uh, there is a, a deadline of Friday for the uh, for the government spending uh, because this is when the fiscal year ends in Washington D.C. And the spending bill is a reflection of Congress's priorities. Uh, mm-hmm. So ultimately, yes, it's it's what what they want to allocate our taxpayer dollars to fund, but it's also the policies that uh, are behind all of those things and. In many cases, we don't like what we see, Bill, and it's unfortunate that uh, we're, we're having to do this in a rushed fashion as opposed to a regular appropriations process when many of these things should be hashed out. Now, Rob, the government is set to run out of funding, isn't it? Like, soon. It is, and this is the this is the thing that I think is is so alarming. Uh, you have uh, you know Democrats who are in control of the Senate, who are in control of the House, so they they hold both houses of Congress, and of course President Joe Biden is uh, is a Democrat who's in the White House, and so there's no reason that a single party control of of Washington uh, institutions like this should be looking at a deadline of Friday and just revealing the spending bill on a Tuesday. But this is the situation we find ourselves in. I think this is why Congress has such low approval ratings. This is why the voters are fed up with uh, with the current leadership and why you see uh, the polls indicating that there could be a change in power come January. And so, Bill, I, I, I don't understand why we can't get to doing business on, on a, the way that uh, it's been done in the past. Uh, no family would operate this way, uh, spending yeah. <laughs> recklessly and then, you know, trying to, you know, mm-hmm. figure out how to, how to, you know, make up for the, the deficit or the debt in your, in your own family's budget. Uh, yet this is what Congress does year after year. And Rob, I don't think if the, the average person has any idea 
about some of these numbers that get passed around. When you talk about a 1.4 trillion omnibus uh, omnibus and an additional 900 billion COVID relief package, how do these numbers resonate with anybody? Well, it it is hard to to put them in perspective. That is is for sure. And I think that's one of the reasons why the, the politicians in Washington have been able to push this, uh, you know, through through many years now without, uh, you know, having the, the kind of oversight and attention that it deserves. Uh, it's, it's hard enough for people to understand that the, the cost of, you know, millions of dollars. And when you talk about billions and trillions, it, it's really extraordinary. I think that the American people are starting to realize, though, that this additional spending does have consequences, and they're seeing it in the form of inflation. The spending that happened under COVID, the $6 trillion, this goes back to President Trump as much as it was Joe Biden, and and, and President Trump and President Biden uh, did not do enough uh, to, to curtail government spending. And what we have now is out-of-control inflation uh, to the tune of 8.5%, and you're seeing it show up at, at the gas station, at the grocery store, uh, in construction costs. I mean, everything that you go down the, down the line uh, is is significantly more expensive today than it was uh, just a couple of years ago. And and that's because the government is is continuing to spend, spend, spend. And Bill, the one thing I don't understand is you even have states now that are are writing uh, inflation uh, check, checks to their residents, you know, to counteract inflation. Well, the government spending more money on on checks to counter inflation is just going to only make the problem even worse. It's almost yeah. like we've we've lost any sense of basic economics here. Yeah, Rob Louie is my guest. He's the executive editor at the Daily Signal. You can go to dailysignal.com to read these stories that we are chatting about. Rob, one of the stories that I heard this week, um, which is very troubling to me, was what happened uh, with the FBI department arresting a pro-life activist, his behavior or what he said or what he did seems so tame and they pretty much pounded on his house. That's right, Bill. I, I thank you for talking about this story. We've been following this closely at DailySignal.com, and our reporters will continue to have updates. Uh, the, the person's name is Mark Houck. He is from Pennsylvania. You're right. Um, he has a large family, seven children. He is somebody who uh, like so many other pro-life activists, have decided to do sidewalk counseling outside of a, an abortion clinic, a Planned Parenthood clinic. And in this particular case, uh, you know, we're still learning all of the details, but from what we know, uh, there was a uh, volunteer uh, going into the Planned Parenthood clinic who uh, approached the man's 12-year-old son, got in his face and started yelling at him or saying things uh, that uh, you know probably are not appropriate for a 12-year-old to be hearing. Mm-hmm. And the father, like any father would, uh, came to the defense of his son and, uh, and, and pushed the, the activist down. Now, the case actually went to and was dismissed. Uh, but what's happened now is there's a, a federal law called the FACE Act, which, which protects both uh, like Planned Parenthood clinics as well as pregnancy resource centers and there, the Department of Justice is is indicting him for violating this law. Okay, and they are the the thing that I think is is so alarming about this is number one, this incident happened a year ago. So why now is this <laughs> taking place? Number two, why did it take a team of two dozen FBI agents and SWAT gear? Uh, pounding on the door and dragging him out even before he get dressed in front of the kids, you know that just seems like an excessive use of law enforcement. Oh, you think? And number three, and number three, Bill, I think the thing that that has 
raised the ire of, of many people on Capitol Hill who are pro-life and others around the country is that we have seen over 70 attacks on churches and pro-life pregnancy resource centers that have completely been ignored by the Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. And so why it, it does appear that there's a political motivation behind this particular indictment, and we should be worried about it. Uh, we, ta- we talked in recent weeks about what happened at Mar-a-Lago, and like him or dislike him, uh, you know, President Trump, I know, brings out strong feelings in a lot of people, but as, as we, we talked about then, there is concern that, that politicizing our law enforcement will lead to more situations like this, and we don't know who they might come for next. Yeah, Rob, what do concerned citizens do when they hear about this uh, arrest of this uh, pro-life dad with seven kids, and they, they pretty much burst into his house and drag him out? What, do we, what, what can we do? Well, number one, I, I, I would encourage them to continuing to, to do, particularly those who are, are showing up as sidewalk counselors and trying to save, you know, our unborn children, uh, they're already having a great effect. I mean, we, we, we now have, you know, the, the Supreme Court's landmark decision uh, overturning Roe v. Wade on our side, but there's a lot of work that has to come after that. And, and part of that is the, the work that Mark Houck was doing. So I hope people aren't discouraged and, uh, and continue to show up and, and do that work that needs to happen. Um, obviously, again, we don't know all of the circumstances. I mean, I, I would, you know, just be very careful. Uh, you know, there are agitators on the left who are purposefully out there looking to instigate a fight. Uh, looking to create an incident like this so they can try to uh, put put a pro-life activist in in a bad spot. Uh, And then when it comes to a situation like we saw with the FBI raid, I I don't know that there is a whole lot we can do other than try to expose it and and shine light on it. I think that the FBI would prefer that these things to happen probably mostly behind closed doors and uh, and in the dark of night. Uh, The fact that his wife came out and told the story, I think, is a positive development because we all know about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bill, it's one of the reasons why, you know, I've tried to tell the story about so many people who got swept up in the the January 6th protest and found themselves in a similar situation where the FBI uh, came and raided their house with, with SWAT gear. Uh, you know, there were some people who who should be held accountable for what happened on January 6th, but there were other people who I I, I honestly believe did not realize uh, to the extent of what they were doing, um, and they uh, have found themselves in a situation where they face similar circumstances to Mark House. So you you will um, you know have have more and more of these these cases. Uh, they're not just going to go after the big name Republican politicians. It, it, we we know from many uh, cases now that they'll they'll raid individuals' homes as well. Yeah, when you think of a twelve year old getting confronted, and you would think that the dad would do it, but I would say the mom would too. You get a little mama bear out there, and that mama bear is not going to let her even their, her twelve year old son get attacked by some guy. That guy's going down. Uh, and then what are they dragging the mom out? Well, r- right. I mean that that's the thing. And and again. Is my my understanding of the case is that it was it already went to court and it was dismissed. Okay, and so so wow, why why Attorney General Merrick Garland is deciding to selectively pursue this seems to be a political motivation. Um, and and then you know the other thing that I think is concerning in so many of these cases is that they're happening right before an election, and we know that the Democratic Party because they've told us this and and they're spending millions of dollars uh, on on ads related to abortion 
they want to make abortion the number one issue in this mm-hmm. midterm election mm-hmm. because that's what they know will motivate their their base. Right. Uh, Jen Psaki, uh, President Biden's former press secretary, said herself that if this is election is a referendum on Joe Biden, the Democrats will lose. So yeah. they need to shift the topic to something else. And they're trying to make it about abortion. They didn't like that comment from Jen Psaki. No, they didn't. <laughs> she kind of told, you know, she kind of let that one out. Yeah, that one slipped. Uh, and I, and I, I think that probably she may regret it. Yeah. I've got a question for you. When we come back from break, Rob Bluey is my guest. And I know if you have a question yourself for Rob, text it over to me. I will ask him on your behalf. 877-933-2484. Rob Bluey is the executive editor at The Daily Signal. You can go to dailysignal.com. Be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Happy Tuesday. It's 18 minutes after the hour. Rob Bluey is my guest. He's the executive editor at The Daily Signal. And you can go to dailysignal.com and learn about Rob um, and his uh, staff. So I have a quick question that came in from a listener if, in regards to government spending. If the government continues spending at this rate, Rob, is there ever a situation where there is a total bankruptcy for the country? Well, it's it's certainly concerning, and I'll tell you the other thing that's concerning, Bill, is that as uh, we we know that uh, the interest rates have gone up. I mean, think about the payment on on the debt. I mean, the, the, you know, we are we we have to finance all of this debt some way, and uh, and and just that interest on the debt is is going to make it a whole lot more difficult for us to to pay it off, and so. Uh, you know, states have to balance their budget; otherwise, they face the prospect of, of bankruptcy. But this is this goes back to that debate we had years ago uh, with putting a balanced budget amendment on the on the um, federal government. Uh, Congress, of course, under Speaker Newt Gingrich, uh, you know, pursued this, and and at the time we had divided government, and it never got done. But yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a, a concern. Uh, the, the 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 question is there are there seems to be very little appetite right now uh, among both parties uh, to seriously get our fiscal house in order. And I don't know what it is going to take. The last time we had a serious conversation or debate about spending in this country was probably 10 years ago when President Obama was in the White House and Republicans controlled Congress. You remember uh, that uh, election in 2010 swept in the Tea Party class and that was what their number one issue. And we had the Budget Control Act, and that really did a number of things to, to help put uh, spending uh, in, in under control, but that expired. And when that expired, things have gotten out of hand again. Mm-hmm. Rob, I always have to scratch my head a little bit when I think about the, the border uh, situation, the border crisis, because it is, in fact, a crisis. But I know there's always a reason for why stuff happens and why stuff is allowed and but when I see the drugs pour in and the human trafficking and the cartels that are controlling it, what is the real reason that we have open borders when, as a country, we would want to welcome everyone, but please just come through the legal process? Well, we yes, and, and that is a great point. I don't understand 
why more people don't uh, pursue it other than the fact that they're trying to escape you know sometimes really tragic situations in in their home countries of Mexico or and let us Guatemala he- and let us help let us help those people yes right and and there are steps i mean i think that one of the things that you've identified is there there are things that we can do as a country in working with those governments uh, we recently sent a delegation to Guatemala from the heritage foundation uh, because we wanted to hear from that government directly about the steps that the united states could take to help confront some of the challenges that they're facing. And they said they are getting very little cooperation from this, this particular administration. And even some of the basic requests that they've asked for, things like uh, helicopters and, and some, some you know, support like that, uh, go unanswered. And, uh, and I, I don't know why that is, Bill, but there, there are things that I think these governments are willing to do because, look, they're, they're losing their own people and they're losing some talented individuals who are making that, that trek up north to the United States. Uh, and that's not, that's not ultimately good for them in the long run either. So it's a, it's a big issue. I think it's increasingly going to be an issue that uh, many people decide to cast their votes on in November because they are fed up with it. They're seeing it in their own communities. Uh, you saw what happened recently with the governors of Arizona, Florida, and Texas uh, sending uh, either planes or busloads of illegal immigrants to, to certain cities that consider themselves sanctuaries. And uh, the response from the residents there was that to immediately ship out the illegal immigrants. They didn't want them in their backyard either. So it's really a tragic and sad situation. And these are human lives we're talking about here. So, I mean, we have to keep them in our prayers and hope that they and their families can, uh, can, can find a better spot. Uh, but they have to do so legally. And, and, uh, and, and continuing this, um, this, these border crossings at the rate that we're going is, is not going to lead to a good outcome for anyone. Mm-hmm. Rob Louie is my guest. Rob, maybe you would give us an update on the Second Amendment. Yes. Well, uh, you know, there's a, a number of things that uh, that we could talk about with the Second Amendment bill. I mean, of course, uh, the, the right to keep and bear arms is, is a right that uh, our founders put in the Constitution and the Supreme Court as recently as last term uh, has, has upheld again. Uh, but there's there's no doubt that this, you know, is is an issue that comes up. Uh, two things I want to mention. Um, number one, my colleague Amy Swearer does a monthly analysis of incidents where uh, the where individuals in our country, uh, th- by using firearms, were able to protect themselves and defend themselves. And she goes through these incidents. And, and for instance, we just did one about with 11 recent cases that happened in places all over the country from Indianapolis to Ohio to Florida to Pennsylvania, Milwaukee, South Carolina, you go down the list. And, and I think it's really helpful because people forget about the times that, you know, they are using uh, guns to defend themselves and their family and that is an encouraging, uh, encouraging development that, that too often is lost in the, the corporate media spin about the, the negativity of firearms. Uh, you know, I, I, the second point I want to make on this bill, because I have some, some new polling that, uh, that, that our colleagues at Heritage Action uh, just released, and I was very encouraged to see the number of Americans who support the Second Amendment has, has increased. And I think that this is in part because of what's happened with um, the crime wave in our country and concerns that, you know, you need to take, take matters into your own hands and defend your family. But, uh, you know, in, in the aftermath of a tragic shooting like Uvalde, we oftentimes see that, uh, you know, the numbers are, are quite alarming. Um, and, you know, that is, uh, that is something of concern. 
But 54% of Americans said that they are on, on, on the side of uh, supporting the Second Amendment. And so that's, uh, that's an encouraging development and, and one that uh, does have a split between rural areas of the country and urban areas. Uh, there's a higher support in rural areas, not surprisingly, than there are in ur- urban areas. But that's also because many people who live in urban areas uh, simply you know, don't have, have a gun. And some cities and localities have made it extremely difficult uh, for people to carry uh, carry a firearm uh, to begin with. Mm-hmm. Another question that came in, Rob, can you give an update on the great number of men being held in prison in D.C. as a result of the January 6th event? Some simply crossed a boundary but committed no violent crime, while at the same time we see people attacked in some cities and these criminals are released within minutes of their offense. What's going on? That is true. That is true. I mean, here we are, uh, you know, a long time, 18 months after after what happened on, on January 6th, and many people who have been arrested are still awaiting their trials and, and sitting in D.C. jails. Uh, Julie Kelly, whom I've had on the Daily Signal podcast a couple of times and who's written a book on January 6th, is probably one of the, the best authorities on this. Uh, she has covered it extensively on her, her Twitter account, the, the trials of those individuals, and, and told many of their stories. And there are just, um, you know, many examples of individuals who, as I mentioned earlier, found themselves wrapped up in what what was going on that day and uh, inside the U.S. Capitol. And of course, all of that was captured on surveillance cameras or they were tracking their cell phones and they were able to to pinpoint where they were. And in some cases, you know, it's it's individuals uh, who, who kind of fit the stereotype of what you'd expect somebody on uh, January 6th protester to be. But many examples, Bill, of individuals who who don't. 70-year-old grandmothers, for instance, who, you know, just thought the Capitol was open and they were they were walking in. And mm-hmm. so you're right, each case is a little bit unique. Um, but the I think what what the what the listener was was getting at is that at the same time that this is happening in Washington, DC, you have individuals who are committing violent crimes in some cases and uh, able to walk free. And you have politicians who are still talking about defunding the police or uh, cashless bail or other policies that, uh, frankly, um, you know, aren't, aren't particularly good for our criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. Rob, Stacy uh, Abrams said, uh, there's no such thing as a heartbeat at six weeks. It's a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body. She said that at a campaign event at the Ray Charles Performing Arts Center. She might as well have also said Ray Charles wasn't blind. Yeah, well, Bill, I, I, <laughs> right. Uh, this one is a head scratcher. Uh, you know, I, of course, uh, have have seen the technology evolve. Uh, I have a thirteen-year-old, and I also have. Have, a th- have a three-year-old. So, I mean, even the even in those ten that ten-year gap from the time you know we, when my wife was having ultrasounds in in '09 versus uh, you know 2019. I mean, you can hear so much and see so much uh, with the technology that exists today. I don't understand what Stacey Abrams was even talking about <laughs> and and how she can make a credible case uh, and, and have an audience believe her. I, I certainly hope they didn't believe her. Uh, but I, I think that she is, again, this goes back to my earlier point. They are doing everything they can to make this election about abortion mm-hmm. and in spreading misinformation like this is part of their strategy. Uh, we saw this, you and I have talked about it in the past, about trying to make claims that, uh, that you know, miscarriages and epitopic pregnancies would be included in some of these 
legislative uh, proposals that Mm -hmm. some lawmakers are pursuing, which is absolutely not true, uh, but simply, you know, something that they they continue to repeat. And they spread these things on social media. And, and, you know, we so often hear, Bill, about social media companies cracking down on misinformation. Why don't they crack down on this? Yeah. Amen. Thanks, Rob. Have a great day. Thank you, Bill. All right. We'll take a break. And then Alex McFarland will join It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Welcome to the show. If you just tuned in, I'm so glad you, you did. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I am so glad to be welcoming to the program Dr. Alex McFarlane. He's an apologist and author. Uh, He does just about everything and does it well. Alex, welcome to the show. Bill, uh, 10 years ago, I couldn't spell Arthur, and now I are one. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So, it's such an honor to be on with you again, my friend. Oh, uh, thank you. And we've been doing kind of a fun series on learning about wisdom from uh, theologians who have passed on, dead theologians. And I, I asked you if you could uh, take a, a short pause with me on that because I, I, I want to invite you into this new short series I'm doing, and you're a perfect person to ask these questions to. But the series is called New Friend, Same Seven Questions. So I want to ask a number of trusted theologians and pastors, and, and, and I want to get a layperson as well, to answer these questions. Are you willing and game? I am willing and humbled and honored to be speaking with you, now, Bill Arnold. Thank you. Now, some of these questions are like, have two parts to them, so maybe it's a little more than seven, but I've got seven basic questions to ask you. Let's, so let's start with this one. Is man separated from God? Yes. In his sin, yes, but reconciled to God through Jesus. Okay, so we are we are in a state of separation until we have the righteousness of Christ. Am I hearing that correctly? That that is true. Mm-hmm. What about the people that you talk to that say, "Well, I'm a child of God, and I'm a pretty good person, and I think if there's a a good God in a good place, and I'm a good person, I'll go to be with Him." Well, uh, you, you know, uh, John Lennon sang in the song "Imagine," and he used that. For, and which, by the way, I, I really don't like that song. At Man, all. I don't either. That that might be my least favorite <laughs> song mm-hmm. in the Western world. But he says, "A brotherhood of man," and I remember growing up, Bill, because I grew up in a fairly liberal mainline Protestant church. You know, this is you know fifty years ago, and I became a. a Christian when I was uh, 21, but I would hear this phrase over and over, the the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. So in the sense that God created all human beings, you know, yes, we're all creations of God because all people are made by God, but we are not children of God until we're born again through Jesus. We're children of wrath. You know, the original question, you said, are we separated from God? And yes, Isaiah 59, verse 2 says, your sins have separated between you and God. So uh, in a general sense, we're children of God in that 
God created us, but we are not in the family of God. Uh, in fact, we are children of wrath mm. until we're born again through putting our faith in Jesus. And that's a hard truth for a lot of people. They don't like hearing that. And they will say, well, you're one of those self-righteous, arrogant people that think you're better than me. Well, you, you remember years ago, Bill Maher, um, who, by the way, the ordinarily left-leaning Bill Maher, who in recent days has been saying things that sound more and more like you know, conservative, but years and years ago, Bill Maher went on his previous show, Politically Incorrect, he said that Christians are people, this is a verbatim quote, he said, Christians are people who think they're going to heaven because they're better than everybody else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my heart really sank that somebody would get an impression of Christianity like that, because in reality, you know, like like Paul, who who felt that he was the chief of all sinners, Christians really are people who not only do we not think we're better than anybody else, we admit that before a holy God, we are abject sinners. You know, mm -hmm. Ephesians 2 verse 3, here's the thing, for everybody that has not yet come to Jesus, um, and this is not Alex or Bill Arnold or Billy Graham saying it, although we all believe it, but this is the Word of God. Ephesians 2, 3 says that the, the unregenerate world are made up of humans who are, quote, children of wrath. Mm -hmm. In other words, we're under the, the coming condemnation of God unless we put our trust in Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that might sound, uh, oh, you know, who do you think you are? No, uh, we know that we're nothing, but we also know that Jesus is everything. Amen. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. My little short series is called New Friend, Same Seven Questions. And uh, let me ask you this, Alex. What is the fate of the lost, and what are we saved from? Wow, great question. And Bill, thank you for, not only thank you for doing what you do, you do such magnificent God-honoring biblical radio, but you, you allow me to be on, and I'm so grateful. Uh, you know, it reminds me of things that I've experienced, and I was at a conference, a pretty major Bible conference, about a decade ago, and during the Q&A, a gentleman asked just as sincerely as he could, he said, um, I always hear people talk about being saved, and he said, saved from what? And, you know, what was interesting, the man that asked this question was actually like uh, an elder in a church. And I explained, you know, what salvation is. We're saved from the, the guilt of sin. We're saved from the punishment that our sins are due. We're, we're saved from the power of sin as we grow in Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we're ultimately saved and delivered from the presence of sin. But um, you ask about a judgment. Well, the first uh, is one is, ask? what is the fate of the lost? Well, the fate of the lost, uh, if, if they, anybody, um, uh, the felon on death row, the, the upstanding law-abiding citizen who lives next door, the, the church member, whomever, the fate of the lost is to be separated from God eternally if you leave this world 
without a relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And how, how we know this is what the Word of God says. I mean, the Bible talks about there was a great white throne and the, the unsaved nations of all the centuries were assembled before the great white throne. And like Matthew seven twenty one through 24, you know, Jesus says, you know, depart, I never knew you. And it says, you know, um, the, into hell prepared for the devil and his angels. And so this is hard truth, but this is absolute from the Bible, um, Bill, that the fate of the lost is to be ostracized from God mm -hmm. for, forever. I would encourage people to read Revelation 20, 11 through 14. Nice. Revelation 20, 11 through 14 talks about the great white throne and the dead, small and great, stood before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, the book of life. And whosoever was not found in the book of life was thrown in the lake of fire, Revelation twenty fourteen. Uh, this is the second death, Revelation twenty fifteen. Whoever was not found in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. So, how does one get one's name in the Lamb's book of life? by having a relationship with the Lamb. Yeah, that leads me, to, leads me to, to my next question, Alex McFarland, and that is this. What is the point a person is saved, and how? And uh, what, does, that, what does someone have to do to be saved? Well, Revelation 10, um, Romans 10.13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The point at which a person is saved is the moment that they call on Jesus. Now, in, in what? What do we mean when we say call on Jesus? And folks, this, this heart realization could take a while or it could happen in a second, but you understand that you're a sinner and you, you, you know you've, you've known the right, but you've done the wrong. And you realize that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be, the Son of God. And when he was nailed to that cross, yes, he, he did it for the world, quote-unquote, but he did it for me and you. He did it for Alex. He did it for Bill. He did it for you. And then you're willing to say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Please forgive me. Lord, save me. Lord, wash my sins away. Bill, I have, I've watched people open their heart to Christ in a second, and then I've watched people over, you know, 10 minutes methodically process it. But even right now, Bill, because this is one of the great promises of Jesus in John six thirty seven, Jesus said, the one who comes to me, I will in no way reject. Mm -hmm. So the point at which a person comes to Christ, it, it could be right now, even somebody listening, driving in the car. You know, keep your eyes on the road, folks. But from your heart to God, and he will hear you, just say, Jesus, please forgive my sins and make me alive, save me, and help me to follow you. Mm, I love it. And Doc so the Bible calls that being born again. Mm -hmm. So that's the moment where you are born from above, and that is a, 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 a moment in time. Fair? Yes. Okay. Yes. Alex McFarland is my guest, and we're talking about um, seven, the same seven questions, a new friend. And let me ask you this, Alex, what is the fate of the saved, and what are they saved to? Wow, 
great, great question. Well, the fate of the saved is uh, a home in heaven hereafter and God's abiding presence here and a, a beautiful journey, an adventure really of being a follower of Jesus. And, and Bill, let me just say this, and you and I have talked about this positionally. Uh, let's, say, let's say you've got your kitchen table and there's, there's a, a, a ball on the floor. And, you know, the table is, is big. And let's say it's a round table and in the middle there's a mark, the, the center of that table. Well, if you pick that ball up off the floor and set it on the table, anywhere on the table, that ball is now positionally on the table. And that's how it is. When you become a Christian, you are in Christ. Now, the rest of life is a journey of becoming more and more like Jesus. And that's, um, sometimes it's called, you know, progressive Christian growth. Or the, the, the Bible word is really sanctification. So salvation is a one-time event. Sanctification is a lifelong process. And uh, maybe some days you're close to the center, the mark, and some days you fall and stumble, but you're still a Christian because you're positionally in Christ. Bill, when we put our faith in the Lord, our position changes, and from that moment onward, we are in Christ. And then add John one twelve to that discussion, because I think that might be a good place to add that verse in. Well, exactly. You know, that we are now sons of God by faith in Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. And to all who believe in him, to them he gave the right and the standing to be called the children of God. Now, you said, what is the fate? Well, Hebrews says he will never leave us or forsake us. Um, I love Matthew 6, 8. He knows what we need even before we ask. And then, so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's what the Bible promises. And 2 Corinthians 5, 8, Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And and this is not pie-in-the-sky wishful thinking. I mean, this is rock-solid biblical reality. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Mm. I love that. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. I'm in a short series called New Friends, Same Seven Questions. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we've got more questions to ask Alex McFarland. You can learn more about him at alexmcfarland.com. We'll be right back. We want to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're creating encouraging posts every day to help you focus on the important things as you spend time on social media. From graphics that feature Bible verses and quotes from our hosts and show guests, to articles about topics you are interested in, to videos from our hosts. Search Faith Radio on social media sites to connect with us today. That's uh, pretty snappy music. That is the walk-up music for Dr. Alex McFarlane. Always glad to have Alex on. We're talking about a, my series called New Friend, Same Seven Questions. And Alex is indeed a true friend and a great friend of Faith Radio. I love having him on. And mm. so we have gone through a bunch of the questions. Let me pick up. This next one is interesting, Alex, and that is, do all who believe move from death to life? 
Uh, Bill, I would have to ask, uh, do all who believe what? Do all, I'm sorry, great question. Do all who believe in Jesus and put their faith in him, do they move from death to life? Well, great question. You know, First um, John 5, 1 says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Son of God is born of God. That's a great verse. Yeah. Because... You know, in our denominations, and our we we all have our denominational distinctives, and and that that's okay uh, because you know, good pe- people of good faith, to the best of their ability, have tried to craft denominations that uh, you know live out the the word of God, and people have uh, with varying degrees of accuracy tried to pull things out of the Bible that are, you know important to them and but the core the the core foundational non-negotiables of saving faith and the new testament christianity we call it and and this is something that really all strata of christendom traditionally has agreed on okay uh the nature of god father son holy spirit that god has revealed himself as we find in the scripture, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son of God, and not just a good man, but God incarnate, core non-negotiable. Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox, you know, Greek, we all believe Jesus is the Son of God, and that on the cross, Jesus, the Lamb of God, uh, his blood was shed to atone or pay for our sins. Jesus literally rose from the dead. He, he literally rose, not some amorphous spirit vapor, but no, Jesus physically rose from the dead, and Jesus is coming back. So to your question, Bill, do all who, you know, are all who believe saved? Well, we've got to be clear, and, and this is where words really help us. Okay. And I would just encourage people to listen very carefully because, Bill, when I was 21, this was the the aha moment that I realized I needed to seriously put my faith in Jesus. James 2, verse 19, in the English translation, it says, the devils believe yet tremble. Okay? And then you read Acts 16, 31, Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. John 3, 16, whosoever believes in him. Now, in our English Bible, Bill, we just read the word believe. Uh, but here's the thing. One use of the word, James 2, 19, refers to awareness of a fact. See, Satan, if you ask Satan himself, do you know God exists? Yes. Do you know Jesus is the Son of God? Even the devil could say, yes, I'm aware of that. Do you know Jesus rose from the dead and Christ is coming back and all things for eternity will be under the rulership and authority of Jesus? Do you know that Jesus will rule and reign forever? Even Satan could say, yes, I am aware of that. And obviously he's not saved. So the kind of belief that will result in our salvation is not merely acknowledgement of some fact on an intellectual level. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I've debated liberals uh, that are unbelievers, brazen atheists, and they're like, yes, Jesus existed. They, they, know, they believe that Jesus existed. But when you read 
John 3.16, Acts 16.31, John 6.40, where Jesus said, whoever sees the Son and believes in him. That's not merely mental acknowledgement of a fact mm -hmm. or a state of affairs. That's a heart relationship. That's willing to say, being willing to say, Lord, not only do I acknowledge you are who you claim to be, you did what you said you would do, you rose from the dead, but Jesus, I want you in my life. Mm -hmm. I'm turning, I'm putting myself in your hands, Jesus. I trust you. So the word, it's actually in the Greek, it's the word pisteuo, P-I-S-T-E-A-U. Uh, we get several words from that root, but it's really saying, dear Lord Jesus, I put my, my soul in your hands, and with you in my life, I will follow you as long as I live. And so it's our English word belief just doesn't completely do justice to the, the multifaceted word that is in the original language that means a relationship with. Mm -hmm. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. New friends, same seven questions. Can we have assurance of, a, of our eternal destiny? Uh, I believe we absolutely can. That's why for, for a born-again believer, we, we don't have to be afraid to die. I mean, I don't want to die because I like being alive and serving Jesus and loving my wife and getting to know Bill Arnold. You know, I don't want to die. And sometimes, like, when I'm flying on planes, I'm thinking, you know, I don't, I, I know I'm going to heaven, but the the momentary process of getting there might really hurt, you know. But <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I love that we we derive our assurance, and and the fear of death is is taken away, not based on our feelings, but based on the promises of the Word of God. And Bill, I, I probably know I sound like a broken record, but you know, like First John five four, whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. He who overcomes the world is the one who believes Jesus is the Son of God, 1 John 5, 5. Now, 1 John 5, 13 says, These things have I written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. K-N-O-W, the word know, is the word from which we get the word certainty. So yes, we can absolutely know with confidence where we'll go when we die, but it's not based on emotion. It's based on the promises of Scripture. And remember, the Bible says God cannot lie. Jesus said in John 10, 35, the Scripture cannot be broken. So our, our priorities, our viewpoint, our beliefs, our behavior, and our confident assurance Bill, I believe, must be drawn from the Word of God because it is the one dependable voice in this world. Mm -hmm. Alex, has God given us all we need for life and godliness as believers? Wow, these are great questions. I believe he has. Now, God doesn't always give us all we think we want from a human sense because you know, I might want a brand new car, or I might want to have a best-selling book, and, uh, you know, but all we need for life and godliness, yes, we have all we want. Beautiful. I mean, all we need, all we need. And, and let me just say this, sometimes, you know, God does bless us. I mean, He really does. You know, Psalm 37, 4 says, commit your way to the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. 
And, and I have found that sometimes, yes, God really does give the desires of our heart. I mean, I wanted to, there have been a lot of musicians that I just idolized, and I wanted to share the gospel with them. And some of my musical heroes growing up, God has allowed me to meet, to pray with them, even to almost be like a pastoral voice. That was a dream I had, and God's allowed me to do it. I wanted to preach in all 50 states, and uh, God's let me do that about a dozen times over. Mm. Um, but, you know, life and godliness, sometimes God gives us all we need for life and godliness because as we mature, our bucket list changes. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I begin to have to admit Sometimes the things I wanted for Alex were not really the right things for Alex to want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, we just have less about a minute and one last question. As we surrender to God and die to ourselves, uh, we will have an abundant life. Correct? I agree. Yes. Well, that was easy. John ten ten. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would just. Yeah, that's John ten ten. I mean, life and life more abundantly. Yeah. Uh, Alex, thank you for participating in this. New friends, same seven questions. I just think it builds up the body of Christ to be hearing these questions um, answered again and again and again. Amen. I agree. And, you know, I just want to say I appreciate you and Faith Radio so much because I know I tend to be wordy. I'm like the guy you ask me what time it is, and I give you the history of the wristwatch, (laughs) you know. Uh But it's worth drilling down deeply and get, getting a fully orbed biblical answer, isn't it? I agree. Thank you again for coming on the show. Really great to have you. Hey, let's do this again in two weeks. I will indeed. God bless. All right. Dr. Alex McFarland has been my guest. You can go to alexmcfarland.com to learn more about his uh, writing and his seminars and uh, his teaching. He's got over 20 books. They're all available and for um, you can review them at his website. That's alexmcfarland.com. After a break, hour two is just ahead, and Jeff Verdorn is my guest, and we're going to continue our series called Who is This Jesus? Today we're going to focus on the resurrection. I can't wait. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.